This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Living a Double Life, and it comes from 1 Samuel 27 all the way through the first two verses of chapter 28. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to those publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? And a matter of fact, as most of you have heard, we have been upgrading our studio. We have a new soundboard. We have new equipment and computers and things like that to run the automation system, but it's not free and we need your support. You can give your support by calling us at 601-483-8648 and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone or mail us your gift to Word Talk Inc. P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Your gift to Word Talk Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're there too. Search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Today we pick back up in 1 Samuel, and let me start off by asking a question. Has there any time in your life that you seem like you've just got wore down, that you were tired, that you were willing to give up, that you were willing to throw in the towel in a boxing ring? You fought with all your heart. You've done everything you can do to save whatever you're fighting for, but it's just become too much. You're worn out. You just can't take it anymore. Some people would say that you've fallen into a pit, a pit of despair, a pit of just giving up. You could say this is what's happened to David. When we pick up today, right here in chapter 27, we saw last week his, again, a huge victory for him. How he snuck into the camp while Saul was asleep. He was able to take his spear that he loved so much and a jug of water and snuck back out of camp. And Saul was surrounded by 3,000 men. Not a single person heard him. And after he got a far way off, he yelled out. And he called out to Abner, the chief security guy for Saul. And he said, you have fallen short. You have not protected your Lord. I could have killed him. And Saul recognized his voice. He says, David, you're a better man than me. You had an opportunity. God had laid me into your hand, yet you didn't kill me. Then Saul vows for the second time that he won't chase after David anymore. He will spare his life because he has seen the value of Saul's life. But in that section, we saw that David didn't really see the value of Saul's life. He saw that Saul was God's anointed, and he saw that he was a slave to God. God was his Lord, and if he didn't want Saul to be king anymore, then he would have to take him out. And we saw that as well. He said that he'll either be taken out in a battle or he'll die. Whatever it is, God will do it. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And even though he had let God handle it, and that was the name of our lesson last week, let God handle it. He had a huge win, but now we catch David in a pit of despair. You know, growing up, I used to watch a show called Miami Vice. And Sonny Crockett, who would go under the name Sonny Burnett, was supposed to be this undercover police officer that was acting like a drug dealer. He almost lived a double life. 
And you know what? Unfortunately, there are Christians that are like Sonny Crockett and Sonny Burnett that live a double life. And we're going to see today that even David kind of lives a double life. I remember the Lieutenant Marty told Sonny that you got to be careful. You can't get too close. You can't live the life that you really are portraying. They are two separate lives. Unfortunately, too many Christians are walking around today living a compromised life. They've gotten the lives overlapped. On Sunday, they act like Christians, but during the week, they act like the world, and there's no difference from them and the world. But today, we're going to see that David goes into a double life living with the enemy. So I have a lot to cover. So let's just turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 27. We'll start and read the first seven verses. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking of me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, and he and six hundred men who were with him to Achish, the son of Macon, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Jezreel and Abigail, Nabal's widow. And when it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. And then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me in the country town, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziglag. That's important. We're going to see that over the next several weeks. Ziglag's important. Therefore, Ziglag had belonged to the kings of Judah from this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country with the Philistine was one year and four months. I told you last week that the commentators say when the second time that David had a chance to kill Saul, it had been about 10 years. 10 years David had been running. David had been chased hiding from cave to cave, from town to town, never staying in one place very long in an effort to elude Saul. David was tired. He was worn out. He was in a pit of despair, you could say. And when you become tired and worn out, you find yourself in a pit of despair. You're more prone to make bad choices when you're in that tired and despair state. And that's exactly what happens to David's life. If it seems odd not a place that David was living in the Philistine territory, that's because it was. He had made an incredible bad choice because the Philistines were perennial enemies of Israel. And we find that David was not only living there, that would have been bad enough, but he was chumming up with Achish, the king of the Philistines. It's hard for me to imagine how David, who killed that Philistine giant, Goliath, and how he helped the Israel army defeat the Philistines time and time again, would now be living in their borders. There are mixed reviews from commentators about this period of David's life. Some say this is the most overlooked mistake of David's life. You know, that's probably because most folks point to the biggest mistake was him committing adultery with Bathsheba and arranging the murder of her husband Uriah. And because how bad that was, David gets a buy right on this. But let me just tell you right here now that David is out of step with God's will. He is not in God's will, and he shouldn't have been fraternizing with the enemy and living amongst them. That was not God's will for his life. He is going to be the king of Israel, but yet right now he's buddy buddies with the Philistines. One commentator says this bad decision that he made is going to put him at the lowest point in his life. But God in his mercy would bring him out of that place 
even though there's going to be pain and sorrow to pay. He's going to put his family and his men that are with him and their families in a high-risk situation. And because of it, the pain and sorrow and the consequences of his thinking and this bad choice is going to almost make him lose his life. Now, if you remember, this isn't the first time that David has run to the Philistines. When David started his life on the run, he went to Gath to escape Saul. However, he wasn't well received by the Philistines that time. He was recognized as the hero of Israel. David had to put on an Academy Award winning act. He pretended that he was insane so they wouldn't kill him. And the king said, get rid of him. Do I need another crazy man living here? Get him out of Dodge. So after running almost 10 years now, guess where he finds himself? Back in the Philistine territory again. But why is he there? Let's look at verse 1. Let's dissect that for a second. Look at those first six words right here in the ESV. Then David said in his heart. What happened here is David is tired and he makes a decision out of his own strength instead of seeking God. He's tired of running, and now he says, i got to go find a place. He's acting out of his own self. He's not walking with the Spirit. And he internalizes his destruction. The heart is the core of our being, and it's the most important part of our being. And if we don't understand that, if we don't protect our heart, then we put ourselves at risk to making bad decisions and living the way we're not supposed to. And the Bible says, David said in his heart. See, he spoke to himself. He thought it. And whatever he thought, then he believed. And whatever he believed, he internalized. That's how we handled that. And he spoke some pretty bad stuff to himself. But I want you to notice the Bible doesn't say that he said it to God. He didn't say it to others. He didn't say it out loud. He just said it to himself, his heart and his mind. Now, let me just put out a disclaimer right here. I'm not talking about that you have to talk right. We're not talking about self-esteem, self-help books. We're talking about the Bible. David was speaking a certain kind of way to himself, and it's important to note why the heart is the most vital, important part of a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Romans 10.10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confesses and made unto salvation. In Mark 7, 21 through 23, Jesus is talking about what defiles a person. And listen what he says. For from within, out of the heart of a man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. What Jesus is saying is that from within and out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. And that's how we defile ourselves. The heart is vitally important. And what David was doing was creating a situation where what he was speaking to his heart was going to create destruction. It was going to put him in a well of despair. And this always starts off the same way. All the bad stuff has a starting point. And that's when we start speaking to ourselves. We start speaking in a certain kind of way about destruction. We start telling ourselves lies and we believe those lies. And those lies tell us that we're in despair. It gives us negativity. And then all the bad stuff around us starts to fulfill what we are telling ourselves. And what we need to learn from this is that we have to protect our heart. David didn't guard his heart. And so look what happened to him. He makes a bad choice. You have to guard your heart. You have to be careful what you put in it, what you speak to it, what you think about it affects your spiritual life. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 119.11, 
I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, with all my heart, I've sought you, Lord. Don't let me stray from your commandments because I've hidden them in my heart that I won't sin against you. That's why it's so important that we get in God's word every day. That's why it's so important that we pray with God every day. It's so that we can hide his word in our heart that we won't sin, that we can protect our heart. We protect our heart by putting his word in there. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, said, Finally, brethren, whatever there are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Paul is saying to put the right stuff in your heart and guard it. You might go, well, Tim, how come David had this change of heart? Well, let's look at that. The first thing what you see is that David had forgotten God's promise. Right here in verse 1, he says that I shall perish someday at the hand of Saul. Now, what had he forgotten? In 1 Samuel 16, he forgot that he was anointing and was going to be the next king. He had forgotten in 1 Samuel 25 that Abigail had encouraged him. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all that is good that he has spoken concerning about you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. Even Abigail told him that he was going to be a ruler, but he'd forgotten that. And unfortunately, we quickly forget. We get spiritual amnesia. Saul's going to kill me is what he says. He forgets about the promises that God has given him and that he knows, yet he's tired. And he's talked himself into believing the lie. You know, the sad thing is he just had a victory. Saul had just told him in 1 Samuel 26, 21, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will not harm you anymore. And David forgets that. He doesn't believe that anymore. And so instead of turning to the Lord, he turns to himself and he says, I'm going to take up with the enemy. There is nothing better for me that I should escape than to go down and live with the Philistines. There's nothing better for me. Are you kidding me? There's nothing better for you? No, there's more for you. But when you speak lies and you believe it in your heart, you start to act it out. And that's what David does. He goes down and lives with the Philistines. And these are the same people that were idol worshipers. David pretty much turns his back on God for a moment. Israel was God's people, yet he deserts God's people and he goes to live with the idol worshiping, the enemy of God. Now, one of the things that David does believe is that Saul will quit chasing him if he goes down there. And we see in verse 4 that actually happens. Verse, verse 4 tells us that he no longer searched for David when he had heard that he'd gone to the Philistines. I think about Jonah. I wonder if Jonah thought something similar to this as he curled up in the berth of that ship, as he was taking himself a nap as a head to the city of Tarshish, away out of the presence of the Lord, he fell asleep. But the wind started to blow and the ship was turning up inside and they come and wake him up. If they hadn't woke Jonah up, I wonder if he would have ever noticed what was going on. Very similar thing happened to Elijah. Remember the great defeat he had over the prophets of Baal? And then what? The queen said, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And he ran. He tucked his tail and he ran after having such a big victory. And that's where David's heart's at. It's just like Elijah and the prophet of the Baal. So we can learn that we don't forget about God's promises. That's why we hide it in our heart, that it, we guard our heart. We don't put our trust in ourselves like David did. David made this decision out of himself without seeking God. And we don't make excuses. And that's what David does when he says, I'm going down there because Saul won't come after me. He makes an excuse. But we have to learn to listen to the discomfort. 
When we're living a double life, the Holy Spirit will come and convict us. He will speak to us. And we need to learn to listen to that discomfort. So we see in verses 5 through 7 that David says to Achish, If I found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should I, your servant, and he does call him your, you know, he's a servant now. That means that's his, that the king is now his master. He's talking about his uh, alliance that he has with him. He says, on this day, give me a city. And he gave him Ziglag. See, David was a man that loved God, but his relationship with God had slipped during the 16 month period of time. We see that in verse seven, that he lived there for a year and four months. During this time, there is no record in the Bible of David praying or writing a single song or reciting the law of the Lord. There's no record in the Bible of David worshiping or sacrificing to the Lord. You know, David's life at this time is a picture of many Christians who live a life of compromise, who live a double life, who's retreated into the enemy territory only to find it very comfortable there. Yes, these Christians love the Lord, but they put themselves in the middle between the Lord and the world between worldliness and godliness. James 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let me read you that out of the New Living Translation. It says, You adulterous, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy with God. It's saying that you are an adulterer. That you try to be married, yet you have a girlfriend on the side? God doesn't go that way. The first commandment is that you shall have no other gods before me. Don't tell yourself lies. Don't justify what you're doing. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he convicts you, as he shows you. And David doesn't want to be around the king. That's what we see here is that David says, king, I don't want to be here. I want to have my own city. There's no need for me and you to live in the same city. But David is living a double life. He's living a compromised life. And you and I need to understand that our decision affects what our walk is with God. God didn't do it to you. Even when you were a sinner and you turned your back on God, God still loved you and he sent his son to die on a cross for you. So don't justify your sin. Don't justify your action. Don't justify your intent. Be honest with yourself. Listen to the Holy Spirit when he convicts you, when he speaks to you about it. See, if you're living a double life like David was, then you're going to feel uncomfortable. If you're truly a believer and you've known the Lord, but you're in a backslidden state, then you're going to feel uncomfortable with your double life. And you're going to try to make some distance between the influence of the world and the influence of God. You're going to try to keep them separated the best you can, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. But when you are living a double life, you start trying to justify things. And so watch out for justification. Don't try to justify your sin. Don't try to fool others. And that's what we see David does now that he's down at Ziglag. In verses 8 through 12, we see, Now David and his men went up and raided the Gershites and the Grizzites and the Amalekites. Whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or a woman alive, but took the sheep and the cattle and the donkeys and the camels and the clothes. And then he returned to Achish. And when Achish would ask, Where did you go raiding today? David would say, Against the Judah against Jeremiah, against the Kenites. He did not leave a man or a woman alive to it be brought to Gath, for he thought they might inform on us and say, this is what David did, and such was the practice as long as he lived in Philistine territory. And Achish trust David and said to himself, 
He has become so odious to his people, the Israelites, that he will be my servant forever. When I think of that sentence right there where he says he's made himself an utter stench to his people of Israel, that he's going to have to live here forever because he's fooled and he's justifying what he's doing by telling lies and he's trying to keep both worlds straight. But it reminds me of Star Wars and the evil empire. Yes, let that evil out. Yes, let it run deep from within you. Let the evil out. If you remember, the, that's what they told Luke. Here, King Achish is thinking that David is truly burning all bridges. He'll never be able to go back to the Philistines. See, David did just like we do when we live a compromised life, when we live a double life. David told lies so that he would fit into the Philistines in the hope that they would see that he had become one of them. David assured that no one would question him about his loyalties. And he did that by what? By killing everyone he attacked. So no one would be alive and tell Achish about that. God didn't tell him to go kill all those people. As a matter of fact, this was the beginning of his ability to do something like he will do when he kills Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. But I want you to learn that any time that you live a compromised life, when you live a double life, that it leads to lying. For Sonny Crockett in Miami Vice, he had to tell lies all the time about how he was a gangster, how he was this successful drug dealer. He had to drive a phony car. He had to live on a boat. Anytime you live a double life, guess what? You're going to wind up lying, trying to fit in. Some would say that David was even living a life of denial, that he misrepresented his loyalty to God and to the nation of Israel in order to maintain that double life, that he had to misrepresent his loyalty to God and to the Israel because he needed the world to think that he was part of them. And when we live a double life, we do the same thing. We really don't fit in. We don't fit in because the folks that are of the world, they kind of know a little bit probably about our Christian walk. And so they don't want us around. We don't feel comfortable around them. But yet the Christian folks know about our worldly walk and they don't want us around. So we're in the man in the middle and we're always trying to protect. And we have to justify and tell lies to make it all work together. But then we see that if we actually do make our double life seem to work, that we ultimately make a decision. God loves us so much that he's going to make us make a choice. He's going to put us in a situation where we have to make a choice. So turn with me over to chapter 28 now real quick, and we're going to look at the first two verses. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. Again, he calls him his Lord because he says, you will know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. So what we have here is that the Philistines are going out to battle the nation of Israel. And in the front is the nation of Israel that's coming towards them. You got the Philistines, but in the very back is the king. And guess who his bodyguard is? It's 600 Israelites. They're going to have to make a decision as they march to war against the nation of Israel. Are they going to fight the Philistines or are they going to fight the very country that he has been anointed to be king of? Is David going to fight for Israel or is he going to fight for the Philistines? You know, we need to understand that as well. There is always going to be a conflict. There's always going to be a war. Whether we want to realize it or not, whether we are justifying it in our mind, there's always a battle, there's a war raging on. A war between God and his people against the world. 
and a showdown is coming. And so God is going to fix this problem. He's going to make David make an ultimate choice. A decision has to be made. You have to show your true colors. Sooner or later, God will put you in a place, in a position where you have to show your true colors. You have to say, am I devoted to the world or am I devoted to God and his people? So you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. You can't live that life forever. You have to declare yourself one way or the other. And we see in verse 2 that David replies and he commits to being a servant of Achish. In the episodes of Miami Vice, it always came down at the end that Crockett had to make a decision. Is he going to say Miami Vice and arrest those folks or is he going to try to make it go through? David has a decision to make and we have a decision to make. We can't stride that fence. Now we are going to see that God saves him out of this situation. That even though he was living with the Philistine, that David's loyalty did remain with God. It was with Israel. David uses this opportunity, though, to fight the enemy of Israel. We'll see in chapter 29 that God really loved David. And how do I know that? Because the Philistine officer objected to the idea of allowing David to march out with the army, guaranteeing that David couldn't be trusted. Even though King Achish trusted him and said, I'll make you my bodyguard, the officers of the army will not allow him to go. And we'll see that when we study chapter 29. As we close this lesson today, I want you to understand you need to guard your heart. You need to remember the promises that you've hidden in your heart. Hopefully you're putting God's word in your heart. And don't put your trust in yourself, but in, in God. And that's where David messed up. David forgot the promises that God had given him. He was putting trust in himself. And he made excuses. He justified it. He didn't listen to the discomfort. He went ahead and went with it. And then he justified by attempting to fool others. And ultimately, God made him make a decision. And when he made the decision he made, God had to bail him out there. And God does. And we will see that. I'd be willing to bet that at some degree, everyone listening to me knows where David has been. Sometime in your life, you've probably been in a similar backslidden state. We understand what David is doing, but it's still wrong, and it's really dangerous. And if we operate like David, we're operating in a very dangerous and a wrongful way against God. If you're like me, you're hoping that David is truly living a double-agent life, that he plans to turn on the Philistines once they get in the midst of this battle. But the text right here gives us no reason to believe that. David has come to a very low place and a very dangerous place. This is the philosophy of Tim, but I believe God left him in this place so he would be an example that we could learn from. We could see how even as good as we can be sometimes, that we need God's grace. Our direction and our walk has to be with him. And it's through his mercy that we are able to see and walk with him on a daily basis. When we are left to our own decisions, we see someone as great as David is make bad choices. So today, are you living a double life? Have you compromised to the point that you're starting to tell lies and talk about characteristics of the world and live in the world during the week? What are you doing on a daily basis to keep yourself becoming a friend of the world? Do you manage to live in the world but not be a part of the world? And that's what David had to learn. And we're going to see that as we go through this, the hard lesson that he learns. Today, are you living a double life? Let us pray.
Dear Holy Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we thank you for this moment in history. Lord, that you had someone inspired to pen this, that we can learn what happens when we live a double life, how we have to try to straddle the fence. Your word tells us in Revelation that you wish that we were either hot or cold, but not lukewarm because you'll spit us out of your mouth. Lord, I pray today that those that are listening, Lord, that if there's one that is living that double life, that's living that compromised life, they're trying to make both worlds work, but they're juggling that instead of making a commitment. Lord, I pray today that they would turn it over to you. Lord, they would ask for forgiveness. Lord, they would give their heart to you. They would quit acting like an undercover agent. But Lord, that they would let their truth be known. Lord, I pray right now for the one that doesn't know you at all. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would make a commitment to you. Lord, they would believe on your finished work on the cross, how you, how you were the perfect sacrifice, how you went to the cross and you nailed their sins there. All the sins that they've done in the past, all the sins they're going to do. Lord, I pray right now that they would accept you as Lord of their life. They would confess you with their mouth and they would chase after you and follow your commandments. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you give this ministry. And we ask this all in your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.